0: Welcome, my friends, to The Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share their insights with other IT leaders and other leaders that want to grow their influence. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as every week, I am here with my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey, guys. Hey there. Hey, Carlos. It's been an awesome, awesome week, and today's topic is one that I love love, love. And it is marketing to the CIO from the perspective of how do a vendor or someone else communicate their vision to a CIO. And before we started, it was very interesting because Howard had a, a, <laughs> an idea I think that is very valid because a lot of people don't know truly what a CIO is. Is or why they exist. Howard, I I love what you were going to say. So tell us a little bit about that. So I I contend that most
1: vendors don't have the slightest idea who a CIO is, what they do, what their job entails, where their influence actually lies, and and frankly, what they have no influence over. Mm -hmm. Like they almost see them as they're the king of the kingdom of bits and bytes. And anything they want to do, they can simply rule by fiat, and it will happen as though it is magic. <laughs> um, and I think in, in most of the marketing I've seen, that's, that's a relatively true summation of how the industry feels about CIOs. A- and I have to say, I encourage, if, if you're a vendor listening to this, and that sounds like what your company does, maybe encourage your company to hire some former CIOs to give them a little bit of an education. Um, And if you're gonna do that, I I highly encourage that you listen to them when they tell you, no, that's not what a CIO does. Um, So so let me just start with one that came up a few weeks ago. We talked about how um, a CIO buys. And I wanna reiterate, a CIO is not the CFO. The CIO doesn't get to define what kind of money they get, whether that money is CapEx, OPEX, right, or cloud-style spending. Mm -hmm. All three of those are completely and utterly different. And while it might sound neat to go into a company and go, hey, we have a new cloud subscription model, the, the variance in monthly spend may not be something that the CIO has any ability to purchase. Right. At the same time, going in and going, hey, our CapEx is lower than everybody else's, makes no difference if, if all of that spend is designed to be OPEX, right? right? Um, and so I think the first thing to fundamentally understand is the CIO is not the CFO. I think second, the CIO is also not an engineer, traditionally, right? If you make the assumption that the CIO is really, really, really excited about how your NVMe implementation is done <laughs> to avoid bit rot, to reduce latency, to do whatever nifty and awesome thing that it does. And I know I'm certain that it's nifty and awesome. The CIO does not care in any way that will make them buy. The most technical, the most engineering centric CIOs in the world, right? I was a very hardware focused, very engineering focused CIO cares only for pedantic reasons, right? Only for educational purposes. None of that will make me buy
2: Yeah, so understanding
1: personal interest. the focus of a CIO is, I think is really important. So Paul, you wanna yeah. to add to what I just said?
3: Yeah, I agree with that last statement. I would say it's much more personal interest sometimes, right, it depends on their background. And you're right, There's there's many flavors of CIO, right? They could be coming from the application development background or the infrastructure background or the project management background, um, or they could come from like a relationship management type person. And on the rare occasion, but it still exists, might actually come from a finance type background. In fact, some of the CIOs that I have worked with in the past, the best ones have actually come from a finance background <laughs> because then their language with the CFO was very tight, right? It was well understood what was possible, what was not. Going back to your right? Um, yeah. so Traditionally,
1: pre-2010, the CFO path. Was the path to the CIO, right, right, and and even pre two thousand five, most CIOs didn't report to the CEO or the COO, but rather reported directly to the CFO, and that relationship was really tight because prior to initiatives like um, I would say digital, more than digital transformation, but but digital, right, where where e-commerce kind of moved to the forefront, IT was seen as a place where we waste money, much like much like facilities, right. It's a thing we have to do, not a thing we necessarily want to do. And until that transition to digital transformation really hit, the CFO was the path
3: of the CIO. Yeah, which is why it was always a cost containment kind of conversation, right? Or spend less conversation, which is fine. You still have those conversations because the reality is they still want you to do more with the money that you have. And you might get incremental money, but they also want a doubling of projects, right? So even though you might get more money, they still expect dramatic increases. I would also suggest that um, uh, there is a little that the times we are in now has actually changed the spending pattern just in general, right? So if you're not earning any revenue as a company, you're not dipping into operational expenses anymore. You're now dipping into cash, right? So you might have in the last two months dramatically swung the capex from upex because you didn't have any revenue to actually have any OPEX remaining, right? So. We might be in a time where we're going, we're swinging the pendulum back in a very, very short period of time.
0: So, so, thinking about that, then when somebody comes to market or communicate their vision, how they can help a CIO, and that could happen directly, like a direct message through LinkedIn, or that could happen through, well, right now, not so much as a physical conference, but a virtual conference or an event, then what will be the correct way or what will a cio really be interesting to learn from a company in a marketing message so they can say oh that may be interesting i will be willing to listen so let's break that into two pieces
1: and then and, and paul maybe you could take over here um you have two different ways to market you have direct and indirect so which of those two do you want to start with paul the direct marketing or the indirect
3: Let's take direct because there might be faster answers.
1: Okay. So <laughs> I would say direct marketing, if it's not personalized, and you brought up LinkedIn DM as a great example. I think I get hit up fifty times a week. Like it's probably a solid ten times a day I get hit up on LinkedIn. Right. Um and so LinkedIn has learned my most likely response is no thanks. So I don't have to type anything. It just pops up no thanks, and I think are like, not. <laughs> right. um, and, and that's because one hundred percent of them don't read my LinkedIn profile, right? If you're gonna friend me to, to market to me, right? Cause you're not selling me anything. You're just trying to market. Um, and you don't read my LinkedIn profile to know what I do, who I work for and what they care about, like what my company cares about and thus what I care about, um, you're not going to be successful. Not even slightly, not even a little bit.
3: I agree. If, if it even has a hint Towards form letter. It's not something I'm going to read Uh, I've always recommended Especially internally but to any sort of provider that's kind to me is I'm more likely to read your DM or your email if it's either Coming from somebody I already know or including content from somebody that I already know as an example uh, send a note through LinkedIn and say hey I see that you're connected to Stuart at this company. He just wrote about this content. It sounds like something you'd be interested in. Take a look. And I'll say, oh, thanks. That, that was, in fact, very interesting. That's now opened an opportunity to have a conversation with me.
1: I would, I would take it even one step further. I'm always looking for new content. I'm always looking for people smarter than me that I should be following. Right. Right? People that are, that are innovators in the space that will teach me new things. And so I don't even care if I know who they are. I'm much more receptive to, hey, I read your thing and it talked about this, or I saw a comment where you talked about this, or you just re- right. retweeted or, or reposted or shared something. Did you know that this guy here has an interesting take on the same topic? I'd i mean, actually related to them, nothing. And I love that sort of thing.
3: I'd be happy if they read the content and had an interesting response to it. Or to say, wow, I, I, I read this entire article and this one point you made, um, I have a different spin on it. I have a different point of view. Here's an interesting perspective on it. What do you think? You know, engage me in a conversation about something I've already written in because clearly I'm already interested in that topic. Right. I, I jump right in.
1: And it at least shows that you care enough about what I care about to, make up, to take a passing glance. Right. I'm, not, you know, I'm into really nerdy things. I'm not, I, I don't care that you're into the same nerdy things. But if I, if I write an article every two weeks and you think it's that you're going to you know, land $100,000 plus sale with me, like take 30 seconds, read the headlines, read some of the comments. You know, you yeah. don't have to get deep into it, but I don't write anything that takes more than four minutes to read. So, you know, take a passing glance and go, hey, I saw that you posted this thing. Did you think about this perspective? Right. Uh, maybe I didn't. Right. No, I didn't. That's really interesting. Let's, and then I'm in a conversation. Right? And at the very least, what you're going to get from me at that point is an honest look at whatever you're trying to sell me. because you have an opportunity then to go, hey, we're a vendor that does Ruby on Rails. Do you have any need for Ruby on Rails contracting? And I would go, well, let me think about that a little bit. No, I don't need Ruby on Rails right now,
0: but X, Y, and Z. Right. Rather than just no thanks. Right. So trying to then engage you a little bit with what you have already done or probably your company have already done not just a plain blank uh here's what i'm sharing with you or here's what i want to sell you right yeah. You well,
3: using my name isn't enough personalization that's that, that's the least you could possibly do uh
1: no no the least you could possibly do is when someone calls
3: me dave <laughs>
1: right, that's exactly. the least you could possibly do. And that's happened. Dave and Stephen have come up more than once and I have no idea why. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
3: yeah. If you were to spend more time and double-click a little bit more, be, be a little bit more interested in things that are
0: interesting to me, absolutely. Let's engage. So then how will someone really, from what a CIO will be probably doing on a day-to-day basis, how will they find truly their interest you mentioned one there'll be an article but from that how will they how do you think that they can find what how are like so they can start that conversation or what will pull like from what is outside without having some inside information all right so linkedin 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 linkedin, LinkedIn right mm-hmm. any
1: everyone you friend everyone so you can communicate with them once they accept your friend request, you can look at who they follow, right? Do you follow any of the same people? I would hope so. If you're marketing to CIOs, you kind of need to immerse yourself into the CIO community a bit,
2: right.
1: right? And follow who do CIOs follow? Who do they look to for thought leaders? Who does that one look to? Do you follow any of them? Even if you don't, you can fake it, click on it. That sounds interesting, right? I'm going to go follow the, the head of Microsoft or VMware or Cisco or Oracle or insert name of company here. Insert innovative thinker here and go, Hey, I noticed we both followed the same person. Did you see the thing they posted?
2: Right.
1: Right. I'm not talking about making a tremendous investment. How much can you into it using the three thirty three rule, right? How much can you into it in the three seconds it takes to read a headline and the 30 seconds it takes to read the first two paragraphs. If you can't make a 30 second investment, you don't deserve to talk to someone with chief in their title. And I'm sorry to be blunt about it, but, but you're asking for time from someone at the very top of the heap. You should be at least courteous enough to to make it worth their effort.
3: A a couple other things I think could be valuable. I I see a lot of, at least I have received recently, um, I'm going to say one out of every 100 looks like this, where it's somebody I already know um, is copied on the initial request to me. It's almost like a LinkedIn warm handoff. To say, um, I know you know Joe um, and Joe's recommending Sam to talk to you. That's great because I can see it all in the same two line of the LinkedIn request and I'm likely to engage. The second one is make it obvious that there's a peer of mine, an obvious peer of mine that uh, has valuable information to share. Maybe it's a webinar or a Zoomcast or some other virtual roundtable. But to say to know enough about me and know enough about my potential competitors or at least my industry to say, Hey, did you know that CIO of this other light company is on this conversation? Would you like to participate in this conversation that I'm more likely to look at it and see it and want to do it because I'm going to immediately think they're a peer. Of and I'm going to give you another don't do mm-hmm.
1: don't market a product to me that my company makes. Mm-hmm. If my company makes a product competitive to yours and you try to market it to me you see, you don't seem like you've done any research whatsoever. It just seems like you're clicking on people as fast as you can and blasting them as fast as you can, which is entirely possible what you're doing, but it means I'll never work with you because you can't even do me the courtesy of going, hey, the company that you work for makes the same widget I make. Maybe I shouldn't advertise to you. Maybe I shouldn't mark you. The
0: likelihood that your company is going to spend money on the competition is low. <laughs> right. So, will that be on an automatic way or on a personal way? Because there's two ways of sending you that message. You may see it as an ad.
1: Oh, no, no. I, an ad, I don't mind because like, I can ignore ads. That's I get a message on LinkedIn. Okay. If someone has has you know opened up Messenger and sent me a message. And it, it's definitely a form message. But at the same time, you're, you're really like whoever even charged you for that lead probably, you know, you should probably get your four bucks back.
3: but if we get out of LinkedIn and we go to email, is there any email, any form, any content that would, that would engage you in any way that would make you want to respond, that would suggest to you that there's information I'd like to see a warm handoff,
1: right? So-and-so from in your organization referred me to you. So-and-so from external organization that you trust referred you to me. Um, And then the same thing, right? I saw a thing you did. Right. Um, I also saw a thing someone else did. I, I found the the differences to be interesting. Would you be interested in having a conversation about it? Right. We all have an ego of some sort, right? So, so we'd all love to talk about that thing that we did, and and you know the thing someone else did that was similar, and how they were different, and why my my opinion is what it is, and and maybe their opinion will change mine, and and I can't believe you're interested, and that sounds great, and. Right. I mean, I, you know, honestly, if you find a way to beat someone's personal ego, that tends to work more often than not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or bring me something interesting. Right. I noticed that you're in in finance and, and personal banking. Um, I saw these three things that show a trend in personal banking. Do you see the same trend? Right. Like that's interesting. Right. Those are conversation starters. Um, slapping me upside the head with, with your ad is not effective in any way.
3: Yeah, it it actually is pretty counterintuitive. I'm much more likely to see, read, and respond to an email that looks informal, right? That doesn't have the ad wear logos, that, that might only have a logo right at the bottom of the signature. And right? it just looks like a personal one-on-one conversation that's much more specific to me. I'm likely to respond to that because it feels like a human. right? It doesn't feel like, I'm one of 10,000 people receiving this sort of advertorial.
0: So then- Talking and- to 6,000
1: CIOs. <laughs> right. That's also another one that doesn't really help. Cause you didn't, you, you talked to 6,000 CIOs, I don't have 6,000 peers. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like there are some, way more than 6,000 CIOs, but not every CIO is necessarily my peers. So how does 6,000 CIOs have anything to do with my particular experience, my particular needs, my
0: particular company, right? You just mentioned something that is very interesting. That is that even though there may be other people that have the similar position, they may not be completely related to you because of your sphere of influence. So when someone is, we're mentioning direct uh, marketing. Now from an indirect perspective, how will someone then relate because there may be things that may be valuable from other areas that are not directly related to you. How will someone then share something that may not be directly related to your industry or to you, but that they may find beneficial to start that connection with you? So now I think you're into things that really require
1: more work, not less work. Like I think it's much harder to do indirect marketing that's relevant. Um, And so let's start with uh, you really need to follow the 333 rule for anyone who doesn't know That's you have three seconds to tell to, To grab my attention to give you 30 seconds on why I should give you three minutes Right, so the first two parts are the more important the three isn't isn't quite as as mandatory But let's look at like a conference is a really good example right the title of your talk is the three does that sound interesting enough that I'm then going to read the detail about it? And that's the third. You have three to get me to read 30. By far the most important thing. And for a CIO, um, the reality is the thing I care most about today, right now, this very second, is people. Right? How do I determine who my most valuable people are and how to retain them? How do I determine, how do I do more with less people and not just line employees. like We're really, really, really good about going, we're going to reduce your, the need for your help desk by 73%. Okay, cool. Um, I'm much more interested in um, how can I increase my team size? If not everybody's in the same office and I have 17 managers because I have 17 offices, do I still need 17 managers? Do I still need the same number of vice presidents? Do I still need the same number of kind of back office operations? How do I maintain culture in a distributed world? How do I how do I determine who my good leaders are, who my bad leaders are? How do I determine who my most valuable players are, and make sure that my MVP list stays on the front of my desk?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. That's Those- the
3: hilarious irony, right? That uh, that we always want to uh, reduce our people and reduce our costs, and and have put so much automation in that I only need one people one person to do seventeen people's worth of work. For work when that's not the reality in any way, that the last thing I want to do is subtract the amount of people on my team. Yep. The last thing okay. I want to do. Tell me anything else. I would rather take all of my people that I have right now and add to it as long as they had additional capability, they were able to do more projects, they understood different technology, uh, they can create new innovation. That's way better for me than reducing my staff to seven. Yep. Seven staff.
1: In any organization, no one at the head of an organization wants to reduce their staff by even one. They want to add to it by 10% per year. Right. right, Because in reality, in any organization, the most control you have over the totality of the organization is directly based on how, what percentage of that organization you control. Right. How many employees do you have and what percentage is that of the whole right. defines how loud your voice is in a room, right. how valuable your voice is on an email chain. Telling me I can go from 70 employees to seven does the exact opposite of what most CIO's goals are. Right. Right? Not every CIO is interested in that. However, that is a truism within business and it has been forever. Right? Mm-hmm. The team leader of a team of 800 people has an infinitely louder voice than the team leader of a team with 80 people.
3: Mm-hmm. And, so, and don't change the language, right? It's very easy to change the language from reduction to shift. Right, to say, I'm not going to reduce the amount of people doing your IT operations, we're going to shift them to do something else. That's still not as interesting to me. What's interesting is incremental. Add things to me, create more value for me. Don't shift anything, I, shift is just another word for reduce. I have a
1: thesaurus too. <laughs> right. <laughs> and mine's a pretty good thesaurus, it's like this thing. So, so like picking a different word isn't really going to win me over. <laughs> Although I will also say using the same word 12 times does make it seem like you don't understand the definition of the word. So, so there's definitely some value. So let's, get, let's give a
3: real-time hint right now. So if somebody, and regardless of where, where in IT, it doesn't matter. It could be in the app dev side. It could be in the service desk. It could be in the infrastructure side. It could be in the project management side. Fine. But if you're coming to me to say, um, I have all this amazing automation, which is great. Love automation. Most CIOs, CTOs, VPs love automation. Don't come to me and say I have all this automation. Isn't it great to either reduce or shift? Come to me to say I have all this automation, and with this automation, I will additionally give you a whole new skill set you didn't have before. Combine the both. Give me automation and give me training.
1: Combine. So, I'm an example that I use for the
3: yeah. I will give you an example that I use for the customer.
1: Um, we had a customer that was looking at using some um, automated analytics. I just tried to do some automated reporting. Um, they had an, an existing group, it was small, it was like seven people that did all their reports manually,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? That organization of seven people controlled all of the reporting for the organization. So they had a lot of influence, but they didn't have a lot of people. And they immediately saw this as another team bringing in a tool to get rid of their team. So they just stood in the way and they could get no traction whatsoever. And, I, and I, I said, let's take a different tack. And instead, we went to the customer and we went to that team and we said, So we have this tool. And they went, Yeah, we're not interested. And I said, Why not? Are you able to accomplish 100% of what the organization is looking for you to accomplish? And they said, No, we have a huge backlog. I said, Right. I'm not looking what, whatsoever to reduce the number of heads you have. I'm looking to increase the value of each of those heads to the organization and make you a rock star within your organization by being able to meet more of the needs. And as soon as you do that, you've now shown that that employee, that headcount is far more valuable than the competitive headcount. And your seven will become 10, will
3: become 15, will become 20. Right. Guess what that exactly. next response was? The next I'm going to help prove expensive. that you don't have enough people. Right. <laughs> That's all you have to say. My job is to help prove that you don't have enough people and you don't have enough budget and you don't have enough power and you don't have any control. And you don't, this is my job is to help to ensure that you are growing. That would be great. That would resonate. So, guys, I, would, I would want to read that document.
0: So this is really <laughs> interesting. Why then the companies that come and share their message or share their ideas or products do a complete opposite? Is there a complete disconnect that they don't understand how to talk to people? Because this is not just CIO. This is just regular relationships. So... So
3: I have seen these two words way too often, and I I readily admit that organizations to which we have worked for and currently work for also fall in this category. We use the two words pain points too often. As if CIOs, CTOs, VPs of applications exclusively only think about things that aren't working in their organization. That is clearly not true, right? They clearly spend the vast majority of their time celebrating the awesomeness of what they're doing right? Constantly celebrating the awesomeness of what they're doing. I delivered 200 projects last year. I delivered, we're 99.99 uptime. We're, you know, we've contributed to this kind of revenue and these kind of customer segments. That's the awesomeness they spend time on, not pain points. When you all of a sudden create a conversation that's almost exclusively pain points, you've already dragged it down to the negative when you should be spending the vast majority of time in the positive.
1: I will take it even a step further. Pain points are tactical.
2: Mm.
1: Right? If 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 resolving a pain point was as simple as buying your product, um, it wouldn't be a pain point. And I promise you, a CIO knows if the pain point was as easy to erase as buying a product, they would have already bought the product. Right. <laughs> or they flat out can't afford the product, right? Um but the fact is we don't think about pain points that way because pain points are tactical. Mm-hmm right? We are strategic people, right? There's a, there's a scale of strategy and tactical that every single employee fits on. And you can divide nearly every position into a percentage of time thought about the tactical versus a percentage of time thought about the strategic. And that is the tactical are the things that I can do in the short term to resolve some issue. They tend to be more reactive than proactive. Whereas strategy is how do I make a decision today that changes my position for the better in the future? Mm-hmm. So if I take every single employee and let's start all the way down with entry-level help desk, how much of an entry-level help desk person's job could possibly be strategic? The close they get is triaging tickets. Right. How do I look at the things that are in front of me to determine which ones are the most important and have the best benefit by the quickest resolution? Okay, that's strategy, that's the totality of it, and it's within hours or minutes, not weeks, months, and years. As we work our way up, the, the pendulum swings more and more and more strategic, but by the time you get to the CIO, there is almost nothing tactical. Right. And it's generally inbound, not outbound. As in, something is broken today that affects the totality of the company. The CEO called the CIO and said, I want this fixed. The CIO says, hey, where are we on this? Mm
2: -hmm. No
1: CIO I've ever met is dumb enough to go, hey, I think I'm telling you about this for the first time. His team already is aware of it or their team is already aware of it. And so they're going, where are we on this? Can I get status? And so the the tactical information comes into them and then they relay it out to the others in the organization that they have to either answer to or keep informed. It, they're not making a tactical decision. They're not going, why isn't Bob on this? Why isn't Phil on this? Why isn't Lucy on this? They're going, oh, that's who you have assigned? I know they're rock
2: stars. Right.
3: So. And the, to summarize what you're saying, the irony of this, not a, not unlike all the other ironies we talked about, is that the people who have pain points are the most tactical and the least amount empowered to buy anything. Correct. So, so, so once you start to talk about pain points, you're so far down the line, you haven't you how you haven't created a strategic conversation, right? So the conversation needs to be strategic, which means you don't talk about pain points. You talk about how do you help me grow,
2: right?
1: Right? How do you make? I'm fine talking about efficiency, but efficiency in that it helps me achieve more of the objectives that right. the company wishes to 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 achieve. That's right. And if you're really smart, you'll you'll read a 10K or listen to a shareholder meeting, and actually see what the CIO is reporting in the shareholder meeting. Right? How many projects do we complete? Because if you come to me and go, I listened to your shareholder meeting, you completed 260 projects last year, I guarantee you I can help you hit 280 this year,
2: Right. or
1: 300, or 305, right? whatever that number is. You set a target that is hard to reach, I'm going to help you exceed it by 5%. Right. Now, I will warn you, if you tell me you're going to help me exceed it by 20%, I'm also going to hang up the phone. <laughs> right. right. Like that's the other thing that companies do all the time is they always give me completely unreasonable statistics. Right. If you're going to give me statistics, please note we are somewhat scientific being in IT. We are not marketing, and therefore I'm going to question your math. <laughs> right. Better be able to answer it. And if you're just making it up, you're probably not gonna get any further.
3: And don't give me the total scale. Like I don't have ten million customers. You know, I, I don't require uh, 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 300 petabytes, right? This, these are just numbers that don't resonate with me. It doesn't matter how, how big of scale you could possibly go, because that is, in fact, not my scale. And then also, don't break it down so low
1: that the number has no meaning anymore either. Right. I'm never going to buy a gigabyte. I'm never <laughs> going to buy right. an IOP.
2: <laughs> right. right.
1: And so if you're advertising to me, and, and, and I promise you this will be my response, if you're advertising to me $0. $0.03 an IOP, I'm going to reply back and go, please send me an invoice for $0. $0.75 for 25 IOPs,
2: <laughs> right?
1: right? And, and like, I'm just the jerk that'll reply. Everybody else is thinking it because that number doesn't really have any meaning. I can't translate that through my organization in a really, truly meaningful way. And now you're kind of forcing me to do math on what I've already bought to see what I paid per IOPA bend. That also has then no relevance. Like we're then trading in numbers that have no relevance. I would really prefer not to do that. Plus, I really don't measure anything on IOPs. It's not a number that that is the totality of measurement for me.
3: I do think we need to address before we end um, events. So let's say they've passed number one. They, they, I've read the email. I've read the DM they're entertaining or inviting us to an event or even inviting us to be a panel, but maybe it's just uh, an, an attendance to some, some sort of virtual or non-virtual event. What are the ones you're likely to go to? What What is the most interesting to you? And I'm not saying topic by topic, but like what 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 would appeal to any one individual CIO, CTO, VP of app, uh, ITSM, any one of those people?
1: I always come back versus to people. A practitioner,
3: versus a practitioner. No, no. A practice leader versus
1: a practitioner, it's always about people. Right. Right. And 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 if you start getting into individuals, I'm not interested anymore. I want to know how do I make the team better? How do I accelerate the team? How do I add new capabilities to my team? How do I deliver better on my whole organization, my whole team demands? Right? Right. How do I how do I make the totality of my influence more valuable to my company? And I realize it's a big ask, but at the same time, if you think about your thing from that perspective, right? I have a tool that I can sell to a data scientist, or I can sell the team leader on the efficiencies gained by the way my tool interacts across the team. Only one of those two messages is going to resonate with the team leader and it's not the individual one.
3: So if the topic is geared towards people, specifically leaders, but it could be any of the team. If it, if the topic is geared towards a technology that I'm personally interested in, that might be interesting. If the topic is geared towards an industry to which I currently serve, might be interesting, especially in an industry that's changing. If it's an industry that's failing right, or challenged, maybe not. Um, would you be interested in an event that had people you knew, like let's say a famous author, or uh, some sports fan, right? like some some clear celebrity to which um, you know might entice you in some way. Maybe it's a chef. So yes and no. Yeah. Like um, if you bring uh, so okay, so I'll,
1: I'll give you a real world example. I like Mark Manassi quite yeah. a lot. He's an he's an author and and speaker in technology. He's a technologist. Um, if Mark is speaking, I will go, um, if Rozinovich is speaking, I will go. So if they're an industry specific speaker that I have respect for, um, even industry adjacent, right? So Simon Sinek is a good example, right? Mm -hmm. I will hands down go. If they've delivered a Ted talk, not a TEDx, but a Ted talk, I will go. these are people that I find to be inspirational to my job and my career, I will happily go. I want to involve more of their thinking, more of their thoughts, more of the way they work in my organization, I will happily go.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I will have respect for you for getting someone that has that sort of value to me because I have to assume they have the same sort of value to you and speak to your core desires, your core culture. Mm -hmm. And thus we may be aligned. Now, on the other hand, if you say, hey, we're bringing in the insert name of baseball, football, basketball, movie star, you know, celebrity right. to our thing, or, hey, we're going to bring in um, Bobby Flay or Gordon Ramsay or my absolute favorite Morimoto, and he's going to prepare the dinner for the event for the 12 of you that are here. That right. is great, and I will happily go, because I am a fat man. <laughs> That being said, that doesn't really make me interested in your product or interested in what you're selling. You will get attendance, but you may not get post-event engagement. Right. You'll probably have a good time, and I would love it if you did that, but the reality is the job, the goal is to sell me something, and I'm not necessarily more likely to buy something. Mm. I'm not necessarily more interested in the message. Wow. If, because it doesn't change the message. You haven't shown me how the culture of your company aligns with my culture, or how your thinking that helps my thinking. You've given me a good meal, but then it's really incumbent upon you to show how the next part aligns, right? How do you you think like Simon Sinek? How can you bring me something that helps my career, my job, my company? And it it almost makes it more work for you rather than less work. So if you're gonna spend $10,000 to bring in a, a personality, bring in a personality that helps my company, my culture, my business, or me personally grow within the bounds of my career and get a two for one.
3: Yep, I agree. I, I, I would say the celebrity rarely gets me unless it's a celebrity that like, I'm keenly interested. in. It sounds like James Spader would be somebody we'd be keen, keenly interested in listening to, but that's because we would enjoy his voice. We don't even need video, we could just listen, right? Right. <laughs> but aside from that, that's not motivating me to buy or care about the product or service. So if we take that away and we look at, um, is it somebody in IT that we find interesting, some compelling, you know, IBM fellow that we think is interesting or a Gartner, or Forrester or an IDC or ESG analyst, maybe only if I follow them. If I don't follow them, maybe it's less interesting. So you have to pass the topic first and then pass the speaker second. But if it's, let's say, something like a virtual roundtable, um, would you need to know who the other participants are before you agreed to be a participant? Or would you believe the topic was interesting enough that you'd want to participate?
1: 45 minutes or less, the topic carries. Mm-hmm. More than 45 minutes, yes, I absolutely want to know that there's somebody else that I care about that's there. Right. I want to know who the thought leaders are that are bringing the message. Um, more than two hours, it better be a roundtable and they better be really engaging. And you probably need to have an opener that, that is a, an insightful thinker. I will say that there is one celebrity kind of classification that wins regardless, a head of state.
2: Mm. Right.
1: right. I will go to any event with the head of state and very respectfully listen to them, even if I didn't agree with them when they were a head of state, because I find that to be interesting. I find 0% of them to not be worth listening to for some length
3: of time. Right. Fair enough. So let's say it's now next year at this time, and it's a physical event. What's making you go to a physical event?
1: People, 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 people. Far more than topics. I'm going to go for two or three people that I really want to hear speak and hopefully have the opportunity to shake a hand and say, hey, you've really influenced me over the years. What are your thoughts on this thing?
3: Yeah, I agree. It's entirely people, both people that I think I can network with and other words, people that I know that I would believe to be my peers and people that are speaking on the stage that I think would be interesting. And I think I would spend more of my time in session than I would in networking, um, only because I'd want to see as many interesting speakers as I can in person, because I can always talk to my peers, um, you know, across a variety of media.
0: Will there be a, a different place that will make it more appealing for a CIO to go or activities that will be around uh, or available in that event. So let's say if like there may be breakouts or there will be after hour things that, let's say there's Disney close by or there's skiing or golfing or something or some activities. That they can put together on that event that will make you say, "I'll prefer to go to that event versus that other event."
1: You actually just kind of scared me with that question.
0: <laughs> like
1: I literally got chills. So, <laughs> so um, before we started recording, I mentioned that the U.S. has seen the biggest uptick in COVID um, since May first, right? Um, like. The thought of going to Disneyland right now, although I would love to see the parks I haven't seen and I would love to see Star Wars Land, um, I, I won't. I have no interest in going. Um, and if I heard that I had to go to a large dinner or I had to go to a concert or something like that to hear the speaker that I wanted to hear, I would simply count it as I cannot hear the speaker that I want to hear. Um, I'm much more interested in... Um, how are you able to deliver to me content in a way that still provides some sort of safety and security, right? Um, How cognizant and aware are you of the fact that um, the density of interaction is important, but the density of people I'm not interacting with is also important, or the lack of density there, right? Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see, like, I would be much more interested in Um, I have to walk four times as much because our vendor floor is now split into much into more smaller areas. Right. And they're much more targeted. Now I'm going to be much more interested in how are you organizing the event? Right. Right. What does the app look like to help me really kind of manage getting around the event, getting to the things that I want to see? And then hopefully companies are now smart enough that in the future, all of it will be simulcast. So if I don't have the ability, if the room is too full, right? I'm not alone. I will not be the only person that has some concern over COVID and will walk in to open the door to a room and go, you put too many chairs in here. I really want to see the content, but I don't want to go in the room, right? Right? Those are the things that'll make me show up.
3: Yep. And have the technology in place. So allow me to walk in, mark that I was there, watch me walk out, send me the recording, like make, make that happen. Like have that automation in place to know that I wanted to see it, but I probably didn't. And therefore, here's the content to support it and have it all simulcast. In other words, I should be able to walk in that room, notice I can't go to my room and watch it real time. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to make lots of those choices in real time. And I agree. If it's now split across two Vegas resorts just to ensure we have the appropriate distancing. Awesome. I'll make that happen. And yes, will I not get to every session I want to simply based because I can't get to the other place in that time? Okay, just make sure that those sessions go on more than once. Maybe these things need to be five days instead of two days, just to ensure that there's enough repetition that you can actually go to. them. And it's, it's really about people now if you want me to show up in person. My expectation is
1: Microsoft just concluded Build. Yep. And Build was 100% simulcast. And I believe the ticket was free. I missed it. I missed it, I wasn't paying attention. Um, and they executed their largest event, simulcast, still provided phenomenal um, content to people mm-hmm. and did it all from wherever you happen to be. It was beautiful. Um, so I'm told, right, I've I, I just heard from people that it was beautiful. Um, but that does tell me that the technology exists, the ability exists, the willingness exists. So my expectation moving forward is I'm showing up physically in person to talk to people, to have those active conversations that can only happen because, oh, hey, I just saw you, or, oh, hey, we're going to be in the same place. Kind of the catch-up stuff, the the relationship building that is hard to do actively but really easy to do passively. Mm -hmm. So my expectation is not that I have to choose one or the other, but rather I get the best of both.
0: So we covered a lot, Carlos. Yep. So we we share about how to really connect your message to a CIO, how to market to them from the relationship side, focusing on what is important to them, starting with that. If we're going to connect with them through LinkedIn, make sure that we take the time. And that's very important. Take the time to understand who you're talking to. They may be sharing some ideas. They may be doing some things, taking the time. And I'm going to steal Howard's uh, number. I think it's a 33 rule, like three seconds for the title, 30 seconds to read at least a blurb. So you can then share something that is relatable to the person. Then we look at how to do it through email, how to then maybe through physical and virtual events. But most of all, If you listen to this episode, listen that the relationship of the strategy that the CIO is looking, is how they can get their people to be more effective, not to reduce, but to add capabilities. How your product can help them to be more efficient. And it's not about cutting people, it's about adding capabilities. Mm my friends, has been awesome to have you with us today. Make sure that you subscribe, you share this message, and we'll see you on our next episode.